Are you trying to squeeze the starting solid food stuff into your already busy schedule? Well, I have an all-in-one done-for-you solution that's going to take the guesswork out of feeding your baby. My online program is called Baby Led Weaning with Katie Ferraro. It contains all of my baby led weaning training videos, the original 100 First Foods content library, plus a 100-day meal plan with recipes like the exact sequence of which foods to feed in which order. So if you want to stop trying to piece all this feeding stuff together on your own, I would be honored if you would join me inside of the program. You can get signed up at babyledweaning.co slash program. Hi, friends. Are you looking for a new podcast? Maybe something you can share with your littles? Something that has some storytelling in it? Well, then look no further. We have Storytime with Philip and Mommy, where my son and I sit and discuss all the great books that you might love while we read them. So, Little Golden Books, Berenstain Bears, and even the new classics like Bluey. We sit down, we read, we discuss, and we have so much fun doing it. Come and join us. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I feel like breastfeeding is all about watching our baby's cues and following their lead and feeding on demand. And I feel the same way about baby-led weaning, that when we allow our babies to just drive that whole process, babies naturally start to eat. Hey there, I'm Katie Ferraro, registered dietitian, college nutrition professor, and mom of seven specializing in baby led weaning. Here on the Baby Led Weaning Made Easy podcast, I help you strip out all of the noise and nonsense about feeding, leaving you with the confidence and knowledge you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods using baby led weaning. Welcome back to another episode of the Baby Led Weaning Made Easy Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Ferraro. I'm a registered dietitian and mom of seven specializing in baby led weaning. And on this podcast, we talk about how to make baby led weaning easy. But one thing we don't always talk about is how do you do baby led weaning when you're also breastfeeding? I get a lot of questions from you guys about the best practices or tips or ways where you can continue to breastfeed while you're introducing solids and how you manage all the things as your baby's food intake is slowly increasing and as breast milk either tapers off or declines a little bit over time. So I am not a certified lactation consultant. I myself never successfully was able to breastfeed. I actually pumped exclusively for all seven of my children. I really admire moms who can breastfeed and figure it out. And I very, very much admire the work of IBCLCs who work so closely with these breastfeeding parents in order to help them achieve success. So I've brought on a fabulous resource for you. Her name is Heather Dvorak, and she is an IBCLC, and she's going to tell you what that is and what that means. But she has a practice outside of Chicago that helps families succeed with breastfeeding. She herself is a mom of four children. She is going to tell you a little bit about her it's more of a food allergy journey than a breastfeeding journey. But oh my gosh, when I was talking to her, I was like, I need a whole separate episode with Heather just to go through the food allergy situation in her family. But yet with four kids, a lot of food allergies, she herself has allergies. She's been able to breastfeed. She's been able to introduce solid foods with baby led weaning. So we're not going to talk a ton about allergies today, but I promise I'll have her back on because her story is so interesting. But instead, we're going to talk about breastfeeding and baby led weaning, how to succeed at both simultaneously with Heather Dvorak. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. 
All right. Well, I am here today with a very special guest. Her name is Heather Dvorak, and she is going to be speaking to us today about a topic that she's very familiar with, which is breastfeeding and baby led weaning, sharing with us some tips on how to succeed at both simultaneously. Heather is an IBCLC, so that's an internationally board certified lactation consultant. And Heather, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your family, if you don't mind. We'll kind of touch on that before we jump into the professional side where you're helping other families with breastfeeding. Absolutely. So I started out working um, out of college with children birthed to three with developmental delays and disabilities. And when I had my twins, I developed a really strong passion for helping moms with breastfeeding. Breastfeeding was not easy for us. We really had to work at it. And I just got really excited about being able to help other moms and other families to accomplish their breastfeeding goals. So I went back to school when the twins were one and ended up getting pregnant with number three, just as I was beginning my clinicals. Um, so that was really interesting and exciting. And now we have four little ones. Our twins are seven and a half. Our son is four and a half. And then we have a seven month old little boy as well. Wonderful. Now, when we were speaking before the interview, we kind of went down this food allergy rabbit hole because you guys, we have to do a whole separate episode with Heather. Her children and herself as well have some pretty extensive food allergies. So if you don't mind just sharing briefly about their food allergies, because I think it will help. I mean, I think you're so amazing that you've been able to manage all of this with four different kids, plus breastfeeding, working, et cetera. But um, could you share just a little bit about your family's food allergy history? Absolutely. So with the twins, it took us a little while to figure out what was going on. We ended up discovering that Kaylee, our Twin A has a significant sensitivity to gluten. And then twin B, Ava, is allergic to both dairy and soy. Um, and she has since outgrown those allergies. It took a little while, but we got through it with elimination. And then um, by the time she was five, she had outgrown both of them. Then with number three, Mr. Grayson, he had a whole host of food allergies. At one point, the allergist had found 19 things that we had to stay away from. And over the course of his four and a half years, we've been able to slowly reintroduce almost everything as his system has healed. And now with little Sammy, um, who's our youngest, we have also discovered quite a few food sensitivities and are working really closely with his allergist to approach introducing foods in a way that's going to help best support his gut health and um, be able to do a variety of textures and flavors while we're figuring out what he's reactive to. Oh my gosh, that's a lot to deal with. You are amazing. And I know that when we were introduced to each other, you had just started Solid Foods with baby Sammy. So again, he's seven months of age. And do you mind telling us a little bit about your first experience with avocado with him, who you had previously, I think, said he'd had a little bit of a reaction when you had had oats and he'd had some symptoms. But other than that, you weren't really aware of any existing food allergies. What happened when you started Solid Foods with Sammy? So when we started the avocado with Sammy, he was really excited about eating, which was new. In the past with our kiddos, we would put the food on their tray and we would just let them play with it and they would make giant messes and have a grand old time, but really didn't actually get anything in their mouth. Sammy seemed to really understand this concept and he was all about eating. Um, so he picked up his little pieces of avocado and put them right into his mouth. And six hours later, we had our first bloody diaper. So that was our cue that we needed to step back and hold on a second and figure out what was going on with that. So we reached out to our pediatrician who said, you know what, let's change directions and let's try starting him off with some pasture-raised chicken broth. 
So we switched over to um, making our own chicken broth, getting chicken straight from the farm so we can make sure that nothing had been done. Um, and he did great with the chicken broth. And then we were able to introduce the actual shredded chicken. And now he's moved on to carrot and broccoli. So you're, he's, she's still able to try new foods. And it sounds like you have a really nice relationship with your allergist who is giving you a list and a variety of different foods as well as textures that your baby can successfully try. And something that you said when we were speaking before the interview that I thought really resonated with me was that you guys have chosen to focus on all the foods that your children can eat. Because I was like, oh my gosh, this list of all these foods that four different kids can't eat, how overwhelming. And I think that's such a positive message that you're sending that there are foods out there that our kids can eat. Although I can imagine that some days it feels, again, quite overwhelming since they are to some degree restricted. Yes, there are definitely days where I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I feed you? And sometimes we end up with four different dinners, but usually we can find something that works for everybody and is moderately convenient. Well, I know that as an IBCLC, so you're, again, that's internationally board certified, you're a lactation consultant, you have spent a lot of time thinking about infant feeding. And I was just curious if you could share, what is your general philosophy about starting solids and breastfeeding? So I feel like breastfeeding is all about watching our baby's cues and following their lead and feeding on demand. And we really focus on letting our babies drive the process when it comes to breastfeeding. As long as they're doing well with their weight gain and their diaper output, we know that they can be really in charge of that process and they can follow their hunger cues and we can let them guide our path. And I feel the same way about baby led weaning and starting solids, that when we allow our babies to just drive that whole process and be the ones who set the speed, that they often do very well. And it's a very natural progression as we begin to introduce those solid foods and babies naturally start to eat increasing amounts of solids as they very naturally slowly start to decrease the amount that they're breastfeeding over that first year, year and a half. And I love that you mentioned it's a natural progression and it's rather slow. You guys, this doesn't happen overnight where your baby wakes up on their six month birthday and they magically know that it's time to eat food and they start weaning off their breast milk or wake up on their first birthday and magically know how to eat a hundred different foods. And now they're ready for cow's milk. All of these things take time. And so I like that idea of progressing from the baby is driving breastfeeding to the baby is driving food. And to be honest, I feel like it actually makes less work for us as parents. If you're allowing the baby to be in charge of the important things, like how much or even whether they decide to eat. Absolutely. How else would you say that breastfeeding perhaps helps prepare babies for baby led weaning? Are there other things that we're doing in breastfeeding that we don't even realize that are actually going to translate well when it comes to starting solid foods? Absolutely. So there's a few different, I mean, there's a ton of different things, but the physical act of breastfeeding helps to develop the mouth and jaw, um, it helps to shape the palate. It helps to tone the lips and cheeks and tongue, all to help prepare babies for that natural transition into food as they get bigger. The other really amazing thing about breast milk is that flavor passes through. So the foods that we eat help to flavor our milk and that introduces our babies to the flavors of our culture. It helps our babies be receptive to the foods that we offer to them, but it also exposes them to such a large variety that are really significant for creating adventurous eaters in the future. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. 
If you've been thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's a convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online experience. All you do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. I used to think therapy was just for people who have experienced major trauma, but therapy can help you be at your best no matter what you're going through. So whether it's to learn new positive coping skills, set more realistic boundaries, or just show up as a better version of yourself, BetterHelp is here to help. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can help you get there and BetterHelp can help you. Visit betterhelp.com slash weaning today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash weaning and get 10% off your first month. That's amazing. And I think sometimes we forget that those flavors pass through breast milk to the babies. And sometimes parents are, they feel that they need to start with such a bland diet and we can actually season and flavor our baby's food. Of course, we want to avoid excessive salt and excessively spicy foods, but your baby has already been exposed to many of these flavors, even in utero during breastfeeding. So keep up that variety as you start with new foods. You don't have to be super bland. You can season your baby's foods as well. So Heather, for those moms out there who've spent a lot of time building up their milk supply, or maybe they've struggled with getting to a place where they feel like that they have adequate milk supply or they're supplementing with formula, what recommendation or thoughts or advice would you have for coping with this weaning process as we introduce solid foods? I think weaning can sometimes be a confusing word. When we spend our first six months focusing on just providing breast milk and or formula, and then we begin to introduce food. That is what we refer, that's what weaning really means. It's just that introduction to solids and slowly, gradually increasing their solid intake over the next six months. So we give them six months to figure out how to eat effectively. And during that time, it's a really natural, gentle progression as they become increasingly more proficient with their solids, that they'll just slowly begin to naturally take a little bit less milk. And it takes months for that to happen. It's definitely not an overnight thing, but over the course of six to 12 months, they become pretty good at eating food. And then over the course of the next few months, they really transition from breast milk or formula being their primary source of nutrition up to a year to then it becoming the complementary source of nutrition. And breastfeeding can continue for as long as families want or providing breast milk can continue for as long as families want after the age of one. But by one, we're hoping that our babies are pretty good at eating food and they're getting the majority of their necessary nutrition that way. And then the breast milk is really our safety net. It's our way to make sure that they're getting everything possible and we get to follow their lead as they tell us how much milk they need versus how much solids they need. And I love that you mentioned an important point that up until about six months of age, breast milk or formula really is all your baby needs. A lot of parents that I work with are so either excited about starting solid foods or they're being pressured into starting solids too early. And I always like to remind them that prior to six months of age, not only is it not safe for your baby to be eating solid foods because physiologically they're not developed enough or ready to handle anything except breast milk or formula, but 
really, I think perhaps even more importantly, there's no need to do that because the breast milk or the formula is sufficient. However, starting at around that six months of age time period, when your baby's showing the other signs of readiness to feed, it is time to start introducing those complementary foods because they will provide that nutrition, the little extra nutrition that breast milk and formula, although it's still wonderfully nutritious and still will be the majority of your baby's nutrition for the next few months, we do need to start incorporating nutrients from outside sources like food. So again, like Heather said, it's this gradual progression. And you mentioned earlier how you like the term complementary. Do you think you could maybe just shed a little more light on how foods complement breast milk once we move past six months of age? Yeah. So for the first six months, breast milk is primary. And then the food kind of comes alongside of the breast milk and just adds a little bit of extra. And over the course of that six months, you start to see the food increasing and in how much they're getting nutritionally and calorically. And the breast milk slowly, very gradually begins to decrease. So all of that work that moms have done to build up their milk supply is so incredibly important. And your supply is going to continue to really gently evolve alongside your baby's skills with solid food. So that food is just a complement. It's a, it's a little bit of an increase above the breast milk, and then slowly the breast milk begins to drop as the food increases. Wonderful. If everything goes right, that's ideally how things would shake out. But let's switch gears and talk a little bit about some of the complications, because I know a lot of our listeners have struggled with breastfeeding and experienced things like mastitis or blebs, plug ducts, or other breastfeeding issues. How would you advise these moms when they are undertaking baby led weaning and breastfeeding so that those issues don't arise again? I think there's two different rows that we have to consider with this. So if we've got a baby that's primarily being fed at the breast, then that mom has potentially developed a very significant milk supply and is concerned about decreasing the amount of milk that's removed from the breast because that can increase our risk of plug ducts and mastitis. So if we've got a kiddo who is primarily feeding at the breast, the amount of solids that they take over that first month is going to be pretty minimal. Over the second month, it's going to be a little bit more. And by the third month, they're going to get pretty good at it. And by the fourth month, they might actually be eating meals. So from six to 10 months, the volume of breast milk is going to stay pretty constant. It's going to decrease ever so slightly over time, but not a whole lot. And then between 10 and 12 months, the volume will decrease again a little bit more rapidly at that point, but it's a really, really gradual process. And that helps protect the breasts from developing plug ducts and mastitis because it's such a gentle process. Now, if we have a mom who's doing mostly pumping during the day because she's not with baby or because she's exclusively pumping, then we have to do that process on our own. We actually have to be the ones who do that process. So we're not gonna decrease the amount that we're pumping in any rapid fashion, but we might find, hey, I seem to be having a lot of milk left at the end of the week. So maybe instead of me pumping for 20 minutes, I'm gonna pump for 18 minutes. And then, you know, I still have a ton of milk left at the end of the week. I think I'm gonna drop it down to 15 minutes. And we do this very gradually so that we, in a sense, simulate the natural weaning process that babies do over those months. So you're talking about in pumping, reducing the duration of the pumping session. At what point do you then also decrease the frequency of the pumping? So the number of pumping sessions a day at the same time simultaneously, or does it vary? You know, it really depends on the family. It depends on the mom. It depends on the baby. Um, if 
mom tends towards plug ducts, we do a very gradual process where we just drop down the minutes of the pumps that she wants to eliminate. Um, or we can lengthen the time in between those pump sessions. So instead of pumping every three hours, we're going to pump every three and a half hours, and then we're going to pump every four hours. And that naturally will eliminate some of our pump sessions over time. But we do this really gently so that we can make sure that we protect mom's health in addition to making sure that we're providing as much milk as we need. And I love that you're really focusing on the individual goals of the family because we all have different goals. And so when parents ask me a specific question, especially if they're incorporating breastfeeding with baby led weaning, I always like to leave with, well, what's your goal? Like I know personally with my quadruplets, I only ever pumped enough for half of them. So I always had to do half breast milk and half formula and I would mix it. But I did that for six months and I remember like at the six month adjusted age being like, I, I'm done. I cannot do this anymore. And so did a much more, I would say less gradual weaning myself just because my own personal goal was to get them to six months. But beyond that, I couldn't do it. And that was my own goal. And there's another quadruplet mom out there who might go a year and other ones who never did. Again, there's no right or wrong way to do this. It's based on your goals and the goals for your baby as well. And I felt confident at the six and a six month adjusted age mark when they started solid foods like I've done what I can here as far as the breast milk goes and now I really want to be able to focus on the foods but again that that's not what works for every family so I love that you're embracing this idea of having personal family goals I might have only made it six months with certain kids but there's moms out there especially the ones that want to breastfeed until at least one year but they're not sure if they want to continue beyond that Heather what would you tell them about the benefits of breastfeeding beyond one year if that is part of their goals or something they envision themselves doing? Well, first, let me say how incredibly amazing it is that you exclusively pumped for six months adjusted, which was even longer than six months. Well, actual. secretly, I just wanted like a break from them. Like every, you know, like I got to go pump. Like it was like literally my vacation. I love pumping because I got a break for the babies. Well, my hat is off to you. Exclusively pumping is such a labor of love and making 50% of their milk for six months is just incredible. And it's something that you should be truly, truly proud of. Oh, you are so nice. Because you know what I actually always said? I always thought after that, I was like, well, I'm making half, like I basically from the time they were born and they were preemies, made 50% of their needs at all times. So I always thought, gosh, if I have twins, then at least I'll make enough breast milk. And then a year and a half later, I had twins and barely made enough for them. And I was like, this is ridiculous. How? Like, <laughs> I, just, I think I was getting older and more stressed, but uh, I secretly, I was one of those people that actually loved pumping. Like, I literally liked pumping because I'm I'm like a scheduled person, an efficient person. And I my hat's off to anyone who breastfeeds multiples. I know you said you breastfed your twins. I, it is, I tried the tandem breastfeeding and I was like, this is not for me. Good thing I love pumping. <laughs> I think we all find our way, hopefully. And hopefully we have someone to help us find our way. Um, but to answer your question about nursing or providing breast milk beyond a year, um, so the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends that babies be provided with breast milk until the age of one, and then is as long as mutually agreeable between mom and baby. The World Health Organization recommends age two. And parents always ask me, how long do I recommend? And honestly, I recommend that you provide breast milk for as long as works for you and your baby. However long that is, is what you should do. So for families that choose to provide breast milk after the age of one, our focus switches over from breast milk being our primary source of nutrition and the solids being complementary to the breast milk becoming complementary and the solids becoming primary like we talked about before. 
But breast milk never loses its nutritional value. It is always beneficial to our babies. So providing it for as long as we want in whatever quantity we choose is still gonna have health benefits for our children. Breast milk is so much more than just food. So the active breastfeeding or chest feeding is an opportunity for bonding. Um, we talked a little bit about that oral motor development that continues. Um, it's also just an opportunity for checking back in with uh, parents and you know, continuing that connection. As far as a nutritional component, it's a great safety net for the pickiness that toddlers sometimes develop, though we hope to avoid that with getting them to 100 foods. And you know, following your plan really does help babies to become very open-minded about the foods that they will eat. But after a year, the other benefit to continuing to provide breast milk are antibodies. And, you know, we're in a time right now where we're really focused on boosting immune systems and kids are introduced to all sorts of wonderful bacteria and viruses as they explore the world around them, licking, you know, playground equipment and everything and all sorts of other things. So knowing that we've got the antibodies in our breast milk is another great reason to continue to provide that beyond a year if that works for the family. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, so I love the idea of going beyond one year if that works for your family. If you're done earlier and your baby's done earlier, some babies kind of make the decision for us. There's a mom, Rachel, that I was communicating with recently and she was she's like can you ask how to talk about incorporating breast milk around age one Rachel's little guy is almost one he's a great eater and she says he almost prefers food to milk some days he's actually almost at a hundred foods but mom is still exclusively pumping full-time so she's not confident about this transition any words of advice for her as she kind of navigates getting to that one-year phase with a, a baby led weaning baby who's doing well on food but she's still exclusively pumping, what should she do next? Well, first of all, awesome job exclusively pumping to a year. That is such a tremendous, tremendous accomplishment. Um, at this point, as baby starts to choose to have less milk, we really just want to follow his lead. So we want to offer our breast, we want to offer that milk, whether it's in a bottle or in a cup with each meal. Um, generally, I recommend offering the milk before Solids, maybe about 30 minutes before, and then sitting down for our meal of salads, just so that we can encourage that continued consumption of the milk. But for some families, by 11 and a half months, we're giving those breast milk cups with our meals, and we'll start to see that baby will naturally take less. And if mom continues, if Rachel continues to pump, she'll continue to be able to give that milk through a cup or a bottle. I really like straw cups. I love open cups for water, but I feel like we work so hard for that breast milk that I would hate for them to spill it all over the floor. Um, so we can put small amounts in open cups or we can put it in a straw cup and just follow her little one's lead in terms of how much milk he wants. And that may change over time. So there may be some periods over the next month or two where he takes a lot less breast milk and then there will be periods where he'll start taking a lot more and he might take a little less solids and if we just let him guide that process he's going to find his way and show us what he needs nutritionally we really do know that 
little, that children, when left to their own devices, will eat and drink what their body needs. I love that. And one thing I always was confused on when I was a new mom was you think about your babies getting bigger, so everything will be required in greater quantities. Like think about diapers. You're, you start with a newborn, then size one, then size two, then like the diapers never, they, they go to as big as the diaper size is. And then you're like, okay, I'll potty train now. At least that's how I am. But with, with formula and breast milk or whatever combination you may be doing of the both, it, it levels off and tapers off. And I remember being so like, wait a minute, at eight months of age, my baby is kind of drinking the same volume of fluid that she did when she was six months of age, but she's getting bigger and she should be drinking more. And then it kind of dawns on you like, well, wait a minute. No, this is the natural progression. It will level off. They will not continually escalate the volume of milk that they're drinking because now you're incorporating solids and it's starting to provide more of their nutrition. So do kind of think of it as almost like a leveling off. And one thing we actually want to avoid as babies move into the second year of life is there's, especially with formula fed babies who are very proficient at drinking out of a bottle, there's the tendency to overfeed milk. And so as they move into the second year of life, when we switch to cow's milk, if you're going off of formula, there's the potential for the baby to drink too much milk, at which point milk has no iron. It's displacing other potentially nutritive foods. It could be actually causing your baby to become iron deficient because they're then not eating iron rich foods. So I know sometimes breastfeeding moms, it's a little bit harder because they don't have an actual like visual on the number of ounces that the baby is eating. The, the pumping moms really do. But if you are pumping or if you're feeding out of a bottle, or you're combining with formula, just pay attention to the volume knowing that as you go into the second year of life, somewhere between 16 to 24 ounces is where we want to see your baby. So if you're dramatically over that prior to the 12 month mark, that's another thing to look at potentially kind of maybe backing off the volume of milk as your baby gets more proficient at eating food. So Heather, I just want to say thank you so much for your time, for sharing your expertise with us. You are an amazing wealth of knowledge, but also that you've done baby led weaning with your four children, with breastfeeding, with all of the food allergies. Tell us where we can find out more about your practice and learn more about you. So our practice, um, we're based in Chicago or just outside of Chicago. We're in the suburbs and we provide both in-person and virtual support to families all over the place. Myself and my independent contractor, Amanda, um, she's our primary telehealth person currently, and I'm kind of the primary in-person person, but we both do both. And our practice is called A Baby Place, Birth, Breastfeeding, and Beyond. And you can find us online at ababyplacebbb.com. We are here really just to meet families wherever they're at to support their breastfeeding and chest feeding goals. We'd love to be of service if we can help in any way. Well, wonderful. And I'll go ahead and link up your site and resource as well on the show notes for this episode. If you guys go to the website for this podcast, it's blwpodcast.com. If you search for Heather's name, her last name is Dvorak, D-V-O-R-A-K. K. Is that right? Yes. K. And um, also, if you go to blwpodcast.com, that's where this particular episode with the links to how you can learn more about Heather and her practice where that's located. So Heather, thank you so much. I really appreciate you sharing your time with us and for all of the great information about how we can combine breastfeeding with baby led weaning and succeed at both simultaneously. Thank you so much for having me. At a time when change is constant and we are pulled in far too many directions, 
we need a way to stay present to life and to increase our ability to remain calm, think clearly, and maintain our well-being. Many studies indicate mindfulness improves our mental, emotional, and physical health. On a Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee, you can learn how to practice mindfulness and enjoy its many benefits. Tune in for guided meditations and to hear tips and advice from some of the most respected experts in the fields of mental health and mindfulness. The world truly can be a better place. It all starts with a mindful moment.